Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Corner to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3.30, Jeff Howe from The Athletic will join us to talk all things Raiders potential quarterbacks, kind of going inside the mind of Josh McDaniels and what he's looking for in his potential quarterback of the future. Uh, we know the quarterback of the president, or we or the present, we think is Jimmy G. Uh, we believe is Jimmy G. He was in the building to sign his contract. It didn't happen uh, just yet, and uh, the press conference never happened uh, today, and it's supposed to be tomorrow as of right now and I say that very cautiously just because well we don't know so uh, that hasn't happened that hasn't become official but five out of the six free agents that they've signed from outside of the building have become official as of earlier today and just a minute we got Justin Mello from the Draft Network joining the show before we get him as demands uh, efforting and one I want to shout out to Raina who got hooked up with a pair of tickets to go see Kevin Hart this weekend at Resorts World so shout out to Raina thanks for listening to the show we appreciate you we still have VGK tickets and we have Vegas Viper tickets on the way coming up this hour but uh, also got a text from the 707 hey Q Barring any unforeseen delays with Jimmy G, which we're in right now, I just want their focus to be on D, which includes not leaving Perryman behind. With some attention to the O-line, I'm hoping Spillane is a thumper and it could be a great tag team with Perryman, which doesn't help linebacker pass coverage. But again, their focus on the D and can address that. And that's from the 707. Thanks so much. I do, as DeMond asked Vinny Bonsignor, believe that Perryman's going to end up being a Houston Texan. I know he's in Houston visiting with the Texans, and they're putting him as a big-time priority. So uh, look out for that. That could end up being his landing spot. And I don't think that you need two linebackers. If, you're, if these guys are going to be starters, if Splain, that the plan for him to be a starter, which I do believe it is, especially after hearing him today, I don't think you want two guys that are not good in coverage. And Splain's not good in coverage, and Perryman's not good in coverage. And that's just kind of what it is. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, he's in Houston right now uh, meeting with the Texans. Let's get one quick call, and then we'll get to Justin Mello from the Draft Network. Who we got up, Demond? John in Salt Lake. John in Salt Lake. He always has a good one. Welcome to the show, brother. What's on your mind? What's going on, guys? Thanks for taking my call. What the hell's going on in that building over there? (laughs) Well, we don't don't have that answer. How the hell do you screw up a press conference? I mean, Lord, I mean, you... I can't imagine this is a contractual issue. You think that would have... I've never seen this happen before. I've seen guys back out, but I've never seen this happen before. This is absolutely mind-boggling that this wouldn't have all been taken care of before they even announced a press conference, but who knows what's going on here. I just hope the dang Jets didn't call... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and says, and offering more money while he was in the Raiders facility. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but who knows. But anyway, you know, I would like to see him. I was kind of a little bit disappointed because I wanted to see us at least sign one impact player on mm-hmm. defense. Right. And it doesn't look so far like they've done that. Because no matter what we do, we need impact players. We do need at least some guys that's going to come in here. And, and have an impact immediately. Because last year, Chandler Jones, he just didn't, he ha, he, he didn't play bad, but he wasn't impactful right. well, like I wasn't. thought he would be. Yep. So I just hope that's what they do. But we'll see what happens. But right now, who the hell knows? Everything <laughs> seems to be up in limbo. 
Yep. Anyway, thanks for taking my call, guys. Hey, thanks for bringing the call, man. It's always good to hear from you, John, in Salt Lake City. And, look, we'll ask Jeff Howe coming up at 3.30 what he believes is going on with the Jimmy G situation. He tweeted out that uh, his source said, all good, and that was what they said. So uh, another tweet I saw from Tashawn Reed said that uh, they declined – to give a reason when they said that the the po- the uh, the presser was postponed, but they did say until tomorrow. So there's that. Well, so we'll see. Again, I don't want to get you know too far down the road and think that it's too massive of a concern, but there's always some kind of concern when it comes to a, a situation that was supposed to happen at 12, and obviously it's not going to happen at all today. Again, Jeff Howell will join us from the Athletic coming up at 3:30. But now joining us on the phone lines is Justin Mello from the Draft Network. You can find Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. And Justin, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you, and I want to get your thoughts on some prospects in the upcoming draft, guys, stock that may be rising or dropping. But before we do any of that, I do want to go back to last week and get started with the trade that Carolina made. They leapfrogged everyone. They went to number one. They traded with Chicago. How do you think that that move to number one? is going to change how the draft board falls. Do you expect the team to make a move up to number three to get a quarterback as well? Well, this was an extremely aggressive move made by the Carolina Panthers, right? Going from number nine to one, first of all, it's a fairly long way to go, right, when you're going all the way to one. And that was reflected by the package the Bears received, right? Multiple first-round picks, a superstar receiver like DJ Moore, which is really unprecedented almost, right, in a draft day trade-up for number one. Um, the Panthers, they leapfrog a bunch of quarterback needy teams in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Some may perceive the, the Raiders still to be among the bunch that could draft a quarterback at number seven, but certainly, um, you know, leapfrogging the Indianapolis Colts at number four and the Houston Texans at number two. That's how it changes the dynamic, right? The Panthers are now going to receive an opportunity to draft the first quarterback they will draft the first quarterback and it's a bit of an ironic opportunity for head coach Frank Reich isn't it as a former quarterback himself being involved in this process he was denied the opportunity to draft a quarterback in Indianapolis right throughout his several seasons as their coach they started a different quarterback every year but it was always one they reheated right whether it was a guy they got in free agency like Philip Rivers or they traded for someone like a Carson Wentz uh he's now going to get an opportunity to draft and groom a young signal, a young signal caller. So I'm excited to see how this plays out for Carolina in terms of number three overall. Yeah, I do think a team is, is going to think about trading up to number three um, to get a quarterback. I think CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are still the likeliest quarterbacks to be the first two off the board in no order. I think Stroud is probably the favorite to go number one to Carolina. I think Houston would then come back and take Young at number two. So at number three, you know, teams that are considering to trade up, if if the scenario plays out like that, the way I envision it, it's about asking yourself, what do I think of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, right? At that point, you'd be choosing between those two quarterbacks. And if you have a high grade on those guys, you see one of them as being a franchise talent, which I think a lot of teams do in this draft, then you get on the phone with Arizona and you move up. And general manager Monty Ossenfort He's been open about it. He said his team is open for business. They should be. You know, they've got a franchise quarterback in Tyler Murray, even though he's hurt right now. They've got lots of, uh, you know, holes on the roster. They could use multiple draft picks in this class and in 2024 when they'll probably be more serious about competing because Murray will be a year removed, you know, from the ACL. 
Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for Arizona to move down from three. And I think it makes a lot of sense for a team to move up there and get one of these quarterbacks while they're still on the board. Do you think that uh, a Will Levis or Anthony Richardson is worth, though, the number three overall? Because, again, it's a quarterback, so you're going to go up and do what you got to do to get your quarterback. But do you think that that spot, number three overall, those two guys are worthy of that, that location? I do. It, it might be a bit controversial, but I, I like both of them. And now, look. We know how this works out, right? One, two or three of these four quarterbacks aren't going to pan out, right? I don't remember yeah. the last time the, the first four quarterbacks drafted were all excellent, excellent quarterbacks, right? So one or two of them probably aren't going to pan out. In relation to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, I'll start with Richardson. I mean, the combine was historically good, right? Like it was mm-hmm. an unbelievably impressive performance. You're talking about, quite frankly, one of the most athletic quarterbacks of all time. And that's not an exaggeration. The vertical jump, the 40-yard dash, the broad jump, all of that is reflected, right, within those testing numbers. This guy is a towering presence. If you saw him there in Indianapolis, what was he, 6'5", 245, yep. something just r- ridiculous, right? He's he's going to be a, a, a very difficult to tackle in the open field. He's an elite scrambler. He's got one of the strongest arms in the class. There's a lot to like about Anthony Richardson. And yes, you know, he's only got one year starting experience under his belt. The tape is littered with questionable decision-making and accuracy issues at times. But this is a guy that you're excited to mold, right? If you've got a good head coach, a good offensive coordinator, you like your quarterback coach, you're very excited to get your hands on Anthony Richardson and, and try to develop him. In relation to Will Levis, he's one of the most divisive prospects, I think, in this class. Probably the most divisive quarterback that's in this class. I've spoken to a ton of NFL scouts, executives that really, really like Will Levis. And I know a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around that. Um, You know, based on the 2022 tape, there were lots of low points, lots of struggles. What I've been told by almost everybody that I've posed that question to is that Kentucky did not surround him with an environment to thrive. The offensive line was horrid. If you watch the tape, um, the, the, the fit between him and the offensive coordinator was not a good one. The fit between him and the offense was not a good one. They had lost a lot of weapons, you know, in the draft and on the offensive line the year before. And then I was told there were some arguments in relation to him as a, a, a scrambler and a dual threat quarterback. If you look up the rushing numbers, they are starkly different from 21 to 2022. And what I was told, and this was to me a bit of a shocking revelation, but when you look at those numbers, you can see it being true, is that he was essentially told not to run. Hey, we don't want you to run. We don't want you to bail from the pocket and run. But when the offensive line was in you know, the shambles that it was in, you're asking this guy to hang tough in the pocket, snap after snap, not utilize his dual threat ability, that's a recipe for disaster, right? And that's why the 2021 tape was better on him. So I think there are a lot of teams throwing caution to the wind. It may be, you know, it's debatable whether or not it's the right thing to do. But I think there are a lot of teams who are nearly throwing 2022 out the window and say, hey, this was a disastrous situation for this kid. We love the raw traits. You saw him throw the ball at the combine. He was exceptional. Uh, I thought the way he handled himself in Indianapolis was very appropriate. 
Um, I, I definitely see a team trying to move up to get a guy like Will Levis. Justin Mello from the Draft Network is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, I did want to kind of go to the defensive line, and I wanted to focus on a guy that's got really a lot going on off the field or away from football, Jalen Carter from Georgia. Uh, talking about the combine, he left, he returned, had his pro day on Wednesday, and it wasn't very good. Uh, where is his stock right now? As a matter of fact, just found out that uh, he pled no contest. He's got 12 months probation, a $1,000 fine, 80 hours of community service, um, no jail time. He's not going to serve any of that. So over a month away before the draft, where is his draft stock at right now? This is a tough one to figure out, isn't it? Like yeah. when, when you watch the tape on Jalen Carter, I, I think it's a no-brainer evaluation, right? It's This is an exceptional talent, rare athlete. Uh, athlete. Um, but stuff starting to come out of the woodwork, right, that I think has to concern NFL teams, especially when you're making an, an investment near the top of the draft there. You know, throughout the beginning of, of the whispers that were going around, I won't lie. I don't want to say I, I, I certainly wasn't ignoring them because, you know, the accusations about what occurred in, in relation to the, you know, you know, the car crash and his alleged involvement um, in that uh, at the scene. It was certainly concerning. But some of the stuff that had come out earlier, I go, you know what? This is still a, a, a top prospect. I still think he's going to get drafted in the top three. But this process just seems to be getting worse and worse for him, right? And, and I think it's reached the point where it's impossible to ignore and you can't ignore it. Like at, at the time, I, you know, I thought, okay, if, you know, the Bears pick number one, which I never thought they would, but if they do, it's going to be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. If the Arizona Cardinals stay at three, it's going to be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Well, I'm no longer at that point. I think he's firmly out of that conversation. I, I still wonder about, Teams with the you know defensive line needs like the Detroit Lions at number six. If you think you're getting good value on him, uh, even the Chicago Bears at number nine, mm-hmm. right? I, I think there's there's a universe out there that says this guy was in consideration at, for us at number one. If we stayed there, now we're getting him at number nine. Wow! I mean, we got all that back from Carolina, and we're still going to get one of our premier targets. Right. I think there's a scenario out there where Chicago may consider rolling the dice on him at number nine if he's there but uh, you really can't rule anything out at this point can he could he slide to the 20s even the 30s uh, i would say it's within the realm of possibility based on, on what transpired over these last few weeks yeah, it's wild, man. It really is. I mean, just to see his stock go from, like you said, number one overall, uh, potentially to where it could be right now, really don't know. I'll tell you this, Justin, it almost feels like he could be a Seattle Seahawk, though. I see the Seahawks sitting there at number five and thinking they draft anybody, right? I mean, they just kind of have that culture <laughs> built where they're like, you know what, as long as you can play, we'll figure everything else out. I think he'd be a guy that Pete Carroll would love to have in the building. Well, the interesting thing you mentioned about that is don't forget, they've also got two first round selections, right? right? I think they're picking, they're picking again at 20th overall. Mm-hmm. So that could go one or two ways. If you pick them at five, you say, okay, we're taking a bit of a risk, but we've got another pick at number 20. So we're going to get another first round talent on the board. Maybe we go a bit safer right. with that selection or, or alternatively you get another guy at five. And then if he's still sitting there at 20, you say, okay, this has gone on too long. We cannot pass on his talent. We've already got another first-round player, whether that's a guy like a Tyree Wilson, who I think is a better fit for them yeah. at number five. Keep in mind, they just signed Draymond Jones to a sizable free agent contract. So I don't know if they'll still be in the market for a D-tackle that's like true. Carter, but yeah. I tell you this, playing them together, Jones and Carter, I mean, <laughs> that's not the worst thing you could do, right? Especially when you got 
some ascending talents on the edges, guys like Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe, right, who I think still growing into his own. But that's a good call, and especially as a team with two first-round picks, I could see something like that come into fruition. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Again, Justin Mello is our guest from the Draft Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Sticking with the defensive line, how about Pitts, Kalijah Kansi? Is he defensive tackle number two as far as you're concerned? And, and where do you think his range is as far as his sweet spot where teams are going to start looking at him? I, I'm having a tough time with this evaluation. Okay. I, I'm going to be com- I'm going to be completely honest with you. I know there are a lot of people that are completely 100% sold on him, and I get that. I, I do. I mean, when you watch the tape, it's outstanding. He's got exceptional quickness. The combine was unbelievable. Right, the performance there in Indianapolis was exactly what he needed. Um, for me, I, I, you know, the, the the undersized nature of his game. I still struggle with. I, I'm not someone that can just throw it to the side. I wish I was because I had so much fun watching his tape. It's an exhilarating <laughs> process. But when you look at the measurements, you, you, you'd be silly to ignore that you are betting on an outlier here, right? Like I, I've seen people throw out the Aaron Donald comparisons a lot. We are talking about the best defensive player of all time, right? <laughs> like I, I don't know that I'm ever going to compare anybody to Aaron Donald ever again, right? Or at least for the next 20 years, probably, right? right? right. So uh, I'm, I, I struggle with it. I do think he's in the first round conversation. For me personally, he's not a, the surefire number two defensive tackle because I still really like Brian uh, Brissy from Clemson. Okay. I think he's an underrated prospect. There's a lot that that kid has dealt with over the years with, with personal tragedy within his family, you know, very, very unfortunate situation. Mm. He's had a lot of injuries as well that sort of derailed his development. I think he's still a really, really good prospect, a great football player, a great man. I don't think enough people are talking about him as a person to, to sort of deal with all the adversity. There was, you know, an issue with his spleen. Um, you know, of course, the, the issue with his sister, unfortunately, that that occurred. Um, which was awful, to- totally awful. No, no family should ever have to go through that. Um, for him to kind of battle through all of that and continue playing football and continue playing at a you know relatively high level at Clemson, I still think he's a first round pick. He's my personal um, number two defensive tackle on the board. I do have him ahead of Kalijah Kanti, okay. but I'm not going to sit here and be biased. You know, right. my big board's not the the end all be all. I, I absolutely can see a scenario where Kansi gets drafted before Brissy does. It's going to be interesting. It really will. And I've heard those Aaron Donald comparisons as well. And I said, look, I know he went to Pitt. I get it. But uh, let's not just throw him out there with Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald's just a, a, an average cat that came out of school. Right. <laughs> Again, Justin Mello is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You passed along this note to me about Derek Parrish from Houston, a, a guy that is a versatile guy. He's actually got dreams of playing on both sides of the ball. Uh, had some really good meetings with the Raiders. What are your thoughts on uh, Derek Parrish from H-Town? Yeah, Parrish is an interesting kid. I mean, look, I, I've spoken to already about 75, 80 kids in this draft class via telephone. I, I don't know that I've come across a more passionate player than, than Derek Parrish. I mean, you're talking about a guy that played defensive line. Look, he knows what his quote-unquote shortcomings are. He doesn't have the measurables. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the arm length. Despite that, 
the sack numbers are really impressive, right? The tackles for yeah, loss, like yeah. he had a lot of production at Houston. And this isn't like, okay, he played at, you know, a D2 program. No, he played in a D1 program, right? This is a good program in the, in the Houston Cougars who have sent a lot of players to the NFL yep. in recent drafts, right? Last year, they had what, three or four draft picks alone, couple on the secondary, couple on the D line. And that's been the case every year running really for the last four or five years. So this has been a productive player. Can you talk about him playing fullback? He loves getting in front of the running back, creating lanes for his rusher. Um, I, I think he's going to be an NFL player. I, I really do. I think he's going to defy the odds. And I think he's, at the worst case scenario, I think you're getting an absolute demon on special teams. Now, he's one player um, that, that I was able to confirm met with the Raiders throughout the process. I don't know if I had um, informed you or not to, but I've been able to confirm several other Raiders meetings lately. They've got a top 30 visit. A private visit set up with Maryland offensive tackle Jalen Duncan. Um, they had a, a formal interview uh, at the combine with LSU guard Anthony Bradford, mm. and they also had a, a formal interview at the combine with North Dakota State tight end Tucker Craft. Nice, I like it. I like it. Dropping some gems here on us. I like it. Dropping some some knowledge here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Again, Justin Mello from the Draft Network is our guest. And uh, final question for you. And it really, I just kind of want to look at the quarterback position. And I know it's a really deep class, but when I look at the guys, I look at the big three. At least that's what I call them: Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, and Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. How much separation is between those three guys? Like, is it a lot of difference between the best one of those three and the worst one? Of those three for me there isn't um I, I think the cornerback class is the best position class in this draft by a long shot i think edge is probably my number two but i'm just in love with this cornerback class <laughs> even when you get into the second and third round there are so many prospects that i like in that range but when i look at those three guys I, I i think it really depends on what what a team values most christian gonzalez and joey porter jr are physical freaks, right? The athleticism. That's Joey Porter Jr. I think the arm length was like 34 or 35. Something ridiculous at cornerback. That's going to help him compete at the catch point. He's going to get his hands on a lot of footballs at the next level due to that arm length. He's got God-given abilities, natural instincts. Of course, his father, Joey Porter, was an unbelievable pro for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really like Joey Porter Jr. My number one corner is Christian Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's got a lot of the same traits in terms of of the, you know, the God-given talents, the, the natural physical abilities. I just think he's a bit more developed in the technical areas of the game than Joey Porter Jr. is right now. And then when it comes to Devon Witherspoon, he doesn't have the size that the other two have, right? He's not physically impressive per se, but he's probably the most advanced out of all of them. I think he's been the most productive. He's played in really a, a, a pro-ready defensive scheme in Illinois. That's a program that always hangs their hat, right, on playing good defense. They ask a lot of their corners. Devon Witherspoon played a lot of man coverage. He played a lot of zone coverage. I thought he was really good at doing both. He's got some inside-outside versatility. He can play the nickel. He can play the boundary. I think he's, you know, technically advanced enough to play the boundary, but w with the size coming into question, I wonder if some teams say, hey, this guy will probably kick inside and play the nickel. Now, you typically don't draft those types uh, in the first round or certainly early 
in the first round, but I do think there will be enough confidence in Witherspoon's ability to play the boundary that he's got a really good chance to be the first cornerback drafted in April. Well, I'll tell you what, the Raiders got one from Illinois already and Nate Hobbs, and as you mentioned, came from the you know pro style under Lovey Smith there, and so uh, we've already been able to see what he can do, and so if uh, Witherspoon could do anything and be half as physical as, uh, as Hobbs is, it could be a nice little one-two punch there in the secondary. Well, fantastic stuff, Justin. I know there's so much that we could talk about when it comes to this upcoming draft, and I know there's more than a month before that draft happens in Kansas City. I'm excited about it. I know the Draft Network is excited about it as well. You guys have been churning out nothing but great work. Uh, what are you working on in particular right now that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'm, do- I'm you know spearheading the Draft Network's player interview series for the 2023 NFL Draft. I've got daily appointments with prospects in this class, guys that are going to get drafted, a lot of them which are going to be drafted very highly, and I'm giving them a platform to tell their story. You know, nice. We're talking about where they come from. We're talking about their skill sets, what schemes they fit at the next level, who are some of the teams they met with, which is always you know info that is very appreciated yes. by different fan bases. Uh, you're, you're, I'm pretty much publishing one every single day from now until the draft. I'm, I'm extremely busy. Uh, we just published one with Carl Brooks uh, this morning, a defensive lineman out of Bowling Green who was at uh, the Senior Bowl, was really good out there. I've already published ones with, uh, you name them, Joey Porter, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Julius Brents, I meant mm. to say, Will McDonald. Uh, I've got older ones from a few months ago with Will Levis and Christian Gonzalez, a couple of guys that we just talked about here. Every day, I'm, I'm interviewing a prospect in the class. We're telling their story, how they fit your favorite team, why they may not fit your favorite team, right? What right. some of their team preferences and tendencies are. It's a really fun series. By the end of it all, I'll have sat down with more than 100 draft picks in this class. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You guys are doing great work over there at the Draft Network. Uh, I was actually able to hang out with a a few of you guys over at the Combine in Indianapolis. And like I said, man, you guys are just churning out great work. So uh, we'll definitely be checking that out. And, of course, you can check out Justin on Twitter at M underscore NFL. Justin, thanks so much for your time, man. Great stuff as always. I appreciate you. We'll be talking to you soon. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Again, great stuff from Justin Mello from the Draft Network. 15 seed has knocked off a number two seed in March Madness. And let me tell you, my bracket is 100% busted. (laughs) It is bad. Princeton knocked off Arizona. I had Arizona playing in the championship game against UCLA, so I'm done. 15 knocked off a two, 59-55. Great game, and that's why they play the games, and that's why it's called March Madness. 325 is the time. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to the Raiders and their quarterback position, Jimmy G, and future quarterbacks with Jeff Howe from The Athletic. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. It's called March Madness for a reason. Earlier today, the fourth seed in Virginia got knocked off, and just a little while ago, the second seed in Arizona got knocked off by a 15 seed in Princeton. Just keeping you up to date on what's going on with March Madness, the first day, the first official day of the tournament. Joining us now on the phone lines here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920 is our good friend Jeff Howe from The Athletic. And, Jeff, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. I'm excited about your piece that you put out, Josh McDaniels, Raiders in Search of a Franchise Quarterback, wherever they can find him. And I'll get to that in just a minute, but i got to ask you, about everything going on with Jimmy G. I was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He never came out. You tweeted out that every, someone told you, all good. What is the latest that you know when it comes to Jimmy G and his situation with the Raiders? 
Yeah, certainly an odd situation uh, with the way everything went down today. It's not it, it's not uncommon to have something like this happen, but it's it's not something to just shrug off. But look, I was told to somebody with with knowledge of the situation that everything was all right. Uh, it's just a postponement. So you know, we'll I, there are a million different things things that you can kind of speculate as to you know what went wrong or maybe not even necessarily went wrong or just what what went awry. Why were things postponed? I don't want to go down that road because I don't have that information at this point, but I was just told it's all good. Yeah, that's all that we know as well. And like I said, I was there earlier and then had to leave to go to the show and uh, realize that it, it just wasn't going to happen today. So, uh, again, it's postponed until tomorrow, so we'll see what happens then. But it sounds like Jimmy G is going to be the guy, at least for right now. So getting to your article that you put out, it was a really good piece. You had an opportunity to talk to Coach McDaniels at the Combine. Jimmy G is the guy for right now. I believe he's a bridge quarterback. But from what your conversations have been with Coach McDaniels, what is he looking for in a future quarterback, a guy that could be a long-term franchise guy? You just want somebody smart, dependable, can run the offense, especially you know within the system, can distribute the ball in a timely manner. Uh, you can think the game. You can read defenses. Uh, you, can, you, you can be clutch. Uh, you're going to avoid turnovers. You're going to be a strong leader in the locker room. I mean, all of the, the basic fundamentals that you're looking for in any type of franchise quarterback. But, you know, I think there's also, um, it, it, it's sort of easy to fall into the trap and say that McDaniels wants somebody like a Tom Brady. Well, yeah, everybody wants a Tom Brady. <laughs> but Josh McDaniels has shown an ability to adapt on the fly. And I think a lot of people overlook that because he was so heavily linked to Tom Brady for a, the vast majority of his professional career. I mean, you look back at 2016, I think we've talked about this in the past, you'll, you know, you got Tom Brady dealing with that four-game suspension. Uh, they're in that training camp. McDaniels is making sure that Tom Brady's ready to go for week five and that Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to go in, in week one. And Garoppolo played six tremendous quarters uh, to start that season before he suffered the first of what turned out to be several injuries over the course of his career. And then you, you bring in Jacoby Brissett. And Brissett, going into week three of that season, had had zero starting reps uh, with the starting offense. And going all the way back to the offseason workout program, gets Brissett ready, runs uh, a hybrid type of offense, and they go out there and they win that game. And then you look at you know 2020 bringing in Cam Newton, running a completely different offense than anything that anybody had seen in New England since Bill Belichick showed up in, 20, uh, in 2000. And then kind of changes it back with Mac Jones. Uh, so and, and got the best out of Mac Jones after mm-hmm. com- compared to last season, it was outstanding uh, what they got out of Mac Jones. So there are a lot of different types of quarterbacks. McDaniel's has proven an ability to coach. It's just you know he, he is really good at maximizing the tools that um, the players give him and, and not trying to force somebody to be somebody they're not. Again, we're talking with Jeff Howe from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. One thing that he and GM Dave Ziegler told us at the Combine was the fact that they weren't going to force the situation. You know, if the quarterback that they wanted was there when they picked at number seven or close to it, then they would make a move for that guy. But they weren't just going to go grab a guy because they need a quarterback, you know, a long-term guy. So now that Carolina has made the move up to one, do you think that that changes the approach that the Raiders have when it comes to the draft and the quarterback? It certainly makes things a lot more difficult because that's one more team. You know, you, you can go into that draft saying, all right, we know the Panthers need a quarterback, but they're at nine. We don't have to worry about them. Well, now all of a sudden there's a giant wrench thrown into that mix because you have to believe that the Texans are going quarterback at number two. So 
you really, really have to like guys number you know three and four. You've got the Colts ahead of you. You've got teams like the Lions and Seahawks ahead of you who could potentially get a quarterback if they have their right guy. So it's going to be really tough. Uh, if, if you like those top four and you're all in on all four of those guys, you know what, you might get lucky, and one of them could follow you at seven. But they're also well aware of the history. I mean, you look back to going all the way back to 2005, and the Panthers are going to have to overcome this trend, too. This is going to be scary for the Panthers. You know, there's a reason why. Now, I get the Bears are a unique situation. They have their guy, or at least somebody that they believe is going to be their guy. But when you are trading away a top-five pick, and you know that team is going to use that on a quarterback, you know, you have to be sure that you're not about to give away a, a franchise-altering type of player. And every team since 2005 that's traded away one of those top-five picks to a team that's needed a quarterback has gotten away with it. So, you know, that's, that's not to say that, like, well, I, I guess, you know, the, there's a reason the Jaguars didn't trade the top pick. They knew what Trevor Lawrence was going to be. Now, that's an extreme example. But, you know, you look at Trey Lance. I mean, he's the only one who's still a, a TBA in that category. But you've got guys like, you know, Mark Sanchez and Carson Wentz and Mitch Trubisky. Like, those are the types of quarterbacks that teams have traded up in the top five to pick. The last one that worked out was a fluke. It was Eli Manning, and that was only because he refused to go to the Chargers. Right. So you could really go back 20-plus years for the last time a team traded up in order to get that guy, and so they're they're just they're in a really tough spot, and that's why they're not going to force themselves to fall in love with somebody where they say, okay, well, we have to get the top four guys just because that's what everybody else says we should do. You just have to make sure one of those guys is going to be the answer because eventually he's going to have to start, and your job is going to be on the line because of it. Jeff Howells, our guest from the Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond's got one for you. Yeah, Josh McDaniels, he seems pretty steadfast that, hey, maybe the quarterback of the future isn't in the first round. But do you think that he has the time, the goodwill to maybe wait until next year's draft to see if he can find the quarterback of the future? Uh, yes, uh, in a way, because they have Garoppolo. So you can get, let's call it, Hendon Hooker or Jake Hayner in the, let's say, second or third round and hope that at some point he develops into the type of player that, uh, can become a starter for you, whether Garoppolo goes down at some point, this is a couple games this season, or whether it's a, more of a competition in 2024 going into that season. Whatever be the case, I mean, yeah, you can take a flyer on a guy, but again, you have to like him. And just like uh, the Patriots liked Garoppolo in the second round in 2014, you know, similar but not fully through a way that they liked Jared Stidham in uh, 2018 or 2019 in the fourth round, whatever year that was. Uh, Brissett in the third round in 2016. So, yeah, you can always like that guy, but what is, you know, how quickly do you want him to move up? And then the other part of it is, all right, everybody's looking at 2024 and Caleb Williams, and he's going to be that number one pick almost certainly. But you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't think the Raiders are going to be good enough to, to get the number one pick. Uh, I'm sorry, bad enough to be, get the number one pick. And then you've got the other problem where, Caleb Williams is shaping up. Now, sometimes these guys fall off or whatever, but Caleb Williams is shaping up to be like one of those bona fide number one guys that you might have the second worst record in the NFL. You don't have a chance in the world of trading up to number one to get him. So it's a tricky proposition. And then with Jimmy Garoppolo, how high on, how high on him was Josh McDaniels in the past back when they traded him from New England? 
Uh, various, yeah, they liked him a lot. I, there was a legitimate concern about his durability, and but like everything you saw, I, I vividly remember being in the like covering the, uh, the 16 opener in Arizona when Garoppolo led that game-winning drive, and I uh, got the Patriots down, and it's one and zero, and it was like, oh wow, okay, that's pretty interesting. And then they come out against Miami the next week, and I think they went up 35 nothing in the first half, and Garoppolo was dealing. And, and at this point, it was like. All right, you know, you've got this kid who's shown some potential. He's shown a lot of growth. His, his 2014 training camp was, uh, or the spring workouts into the second week of training camp was like the worst I've ever seen a quarterback play. Uh, his growth that rookie year was, out, I mean, I could talk to you for an hour about that one. But going into, you know, 2016, the way that he lit up the Dolphins, I remember looking at uh, my B partner and being like, they can't trade this guy. Like, this, this is the guy. And then all of a sudden he has that AC joint separation. He isn't able to start the rest of Brady's suspension. You go into 2017 when it was, you know, you knew he wasn't going to start over Brady or anything like that, but you wanted to see what he was capable of doing in terms of a competition. He had, I think it was like a calf strain and missed some time, and that, uh, you know, caused a little bit of frustration. And then they traded him at the trade deadline that season. So, and we've seen the injuries kind of pile up over the years. He's played through a lot, but, you know, his durability is absolutely paramount when it comes to being a franchise quarterback so it's there there are the pluses and there are the minuses and that's why he was available because again the durability has been an issue but when he's been on the field he's been very good Jeff how quickly do you think he could get back up to speed on Josh McDaniel's system because look it's been a handful of years since he's been removed from that New England system and been in San Francisco I, I don't think it'll be too difficult because you know you look at that San Francisco system I mean that's Every bit is difficult and it's challenging to learn uh, for a quarterback. And, and Garoppolo caught up to speed fairly quickly with that. So, if I guess you use that riding a bike uh, <laughs> cliche. Yeah. Um, whereas I would, I mean, there's again, there's a reason why they targeted Garoppolo uh, the way that they did. They expect him to be able to come in and, and run the McDaniel's offense, and, and it should help everybody around him get on board. You know, you've got a quality leader a guy that in every locker room he's ever been in, the rest of the team has been drawn to. So I think you're going to see that he's going to know what McDaniels wants. He's going to be able to apply that at practice. He's going to be able to show Devontae Adams and, and Jacoby Myers, of course, and, and Hunter Renfro if he's still around, uh, assuming they don't trade him. You know, be able to show those guys, hey, this this is the reason why we're running this play. And when you know the why, a lot of these things kind of fall, fall into place. So uh, I think that's a big part of it. You know, and uh, you mentioned Jacoby Myers, and we talked to him earlier today uh, at the media session, and he hasn't played with Jimmy. He obviously knows Jimmy. But how much do you think that that will help Jimmy and him both know and have a knowledge of Josh McDaniel's system, even though they didn't play together at the same time? Oh, it's huge. And Jacoby Myers is such a great kid. Uh, he's a really good guy in the locker room, great leader, uh, infectious personality. Everybody in Vegas is going to love Myers. And he is – you know, he's not going to break open an 80-yard run, I don't think. I mean, maybe. But he's not hes not like that burner type of receiver. But he knows how to get open. He knows how to read defenses. He's got a bit of a quarterback background. That kind of helps uh, the way that he's able to navigate the slot in the middle of the field. Uh, he's just a guy who, like, you know, he might not run a 4-2 or anything like that. I don't even know if he runs a four, sub-4-5. Four, he does, my apologies. But, like, <laughs> Again, the kid knows how to get open, and it's really impressive. And he got open consistently for a Patriots offense 
that didn't have a whole lot of really didn't have anybody that was scaring defenses. Uh, and, and he consistently got the job done for years. And, uh, I mean, he beat out, you know, not to, not to catch a stray here, but like, you know, Nikhil Harry was the first round pick in 2019 and Jacoby Myers almost instantly beat him up. So this is somebody who got, got it really quick and only continued to flourish, uh, more as his career in New England went on. He's been, he's been an impressive story and I would expect that to continue to grow with McDaniels with Garoppolo and, and having that security blanket is going to be really important. Having him be, be able to play off again with the caveat, uh, assuming they don't trade Hunter Retro, being able to play off Hunter Retro, you know, doing a lot of things that the Patriots schemed up, not comparing the players, I'm just comparing the scenario schemed up with Edelman and Amendola for a handful of years. You know, I think you're going to see some of those similar concepts. And, and then when you've got Devontae Adams on the outside, it's going to open up the world for him too. When it comes to that number seven pick, for me personally, Anthony Richardson is on the wish list for the Raiders. When that one season that Josh McDaniels had Cam Newton, how much did he have to change the playbook for Cam? And did and was it more of a challenge for him to go away from that usual offense to fit Cam style? It actually worked pretty quickly. And I charted uh, <laughs> something wrong with me. I charted like how many RPOs, how many option reads they were doing, uh, just in terms of just like the entire offense was different and they suited it to or tailored it to Cam Newton's strengths and Cam Newton played really well for a good portion of the year. I mean, there were kind of like three or four games, I would say down the stretch where, you know, there was a turnover or, or a giveaway that kind of hurt their chances and, and they kind of faded pretty quickly in December. Uh, whereas, you know, they were seven or seven, and nine or whatever it was. Uh, but, you know, they had a chance and, they, their passing attack wasn't anything to be scared of. I mean, I talked to coaches who were game planning against the Patriots, especially once they were able to read what they were doing. And I said, and you know, this wasn't about McDaniel's. It was more about like the help that they had around Cam Newton. And it was okay. You get in the red zone. You know, Cam Newton or the Patriots are going to try to run the ball. You don't really have to worry about anybody else uh, getting open at that stage or at that part of the field. So, but like the way that. It wasn't like, it's sort of like what I was getting into earlier. You know, it wasn't like they brought in Cam Newton and they said, okay, you have to be Tom Brady. You're going to sit in the pocket and you're, you're not going to run. No, they wanted him to use his legs and they used a lot of read option and RPO uh, mechanics in order to get Cam Newton to do what he did best. And, you know, for a while it was working. Yeah, no, it was. It really was. And the thing is, Jeff, I mean, he was – Cam was a former MVP when he went to New England, right? Uh, Anthony Richardson's had very very little uh, even experience in college, only a handful of games as a starter. Do you think that Josh McDaniels would be interested in kind of helping him develop and turn him into what he could potentially be and reach that ceiling that looks like he has? Yeah, I mean, that's – I would not be worried about McDaniels being able to run an offense that is – tailored to uh, Richardson's style. Uh, no question about that. Uh, you know, there's, I won't, like this, the the athleticism is off the charts. The ability is off the charts. You know, the, the, the arm is off the charts. It's just, he, he's going to settle in. He's going to get more experience. I think it was only 13 college starts. Yep. You know, that was a concern for, you know, when he had that, that really, really electric, like two or three game start to last season, and I was talking to GMs and executives and evaluators about and they were like, yeah, it looks great, but, you know, at the end of the year, how many starts is he going to have? And, that, of course, that's going to be a concern. And that's a concern for anybody, like the amount of 
action you're able to have in college, how quickly can you adapt to the NFL? Like, are you going to want that year to sit? And, and if he goes to Vegas, he's, he's going to have that luxury because Garoppolo was brought in to start. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of it. The other part is, you know, he only completed 55% of his passes. Right. So you got to get the accuracy up. That's going to be really important. Uh, being able to hit those guys in the slot, you know, especially over the middle of the field where the, the room uh, to, to catch and run is a lot more delicate. And you can't be throwing the ball at a guy's knees and hoping that he's going to get six or seven yards after the catch. You've got to be able to hit him right in the hand. So you've got to make sure the accuracy is there, and, and that comes with the fundamentals. So that's, that's going to be part of McDaniels and Ziegler and, and that entire staff's evaluation. You, know, you look at um, you know, Max Duggan is a guy who his fundamentals are, are way off, and it starts with his feet. He didn't have a lot of technique coaching in college. So people are saying, okay, you can look at that one of two ways. Are the mechanics fixable, and all of a sudden the potential is through the roof, or when you've got a guy who gets into these situations, are, is he going to revert and do the things that makes him most comfortable. And unfortunately, that usually means a regression in the fundamentals and the mechanics, and that's going to take away from the accuracy. So those are two ways that the teams uh, kind of view a quarterback who, who needs to improve his accuracy going into the NFL, if that makes sense. When you've reported that the Raiders called about Aaron Rodgers, his availability this earlier in this offseason, was it more of a call of, hey, you know, just kicking the tires, or were serious talks actually made? I don't know how far it got, but I don't think it. I, I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that. I don't think it got very far. Uh, I don't know if it was a matter of the Packers saying, "Hey, you know what? We're not going to do anything until we know what Aaron Rodgers wants to do." I don't know if it was you know the Packers saying, "Oh yeah, I mean at this stage, if you want him, it's going to be three first round picks." Like I, I just I know that it was a fairly quick check in that didn't lead to a whole lot. Uh, but again, it's it's hard to piece together like if. Uh, because it was early, and and everything was just so uncertain, really, until the last like week or so, and Aaron Rodgers had to go, you know, into a darkness retreat and all that other stuff. So there was <laughs> there was a lot to weigh at that point. Yeah, I can imagine. I really can. And man, oh man, uh, how it's such a fascinating story. And balls in Green Bay and, and the Jets' corner now. Aaron Rodgers come out and said what he's had to say, but it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out and what the compensation looks like. Jeff, fantastic stuff as always, man. Again, your piece that you put out on the Athletic about the quarterback of the future with Josh McDaniels was great. Uh, what else are you working on on the Athletic that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, we're just uh, we're, we're knee deep in transactions and, and trades and, and everything that goes along with the uh, the first week of free agency. So I'm not trying to uh, every every chance I get to uh, think about ten minutes ahead, somebody gets signed or, or somebody's <laughs> on the trade block and all that other stuff. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna borrow a phrase that I'm sure you've heard Josh say uh, a time or two, and I'm gonna I'm not even gonna take it one day at a time. I'm gonna take it a minute at a time right now, and if I can get myself to Monday, maybe I'll start thinking about some future stuff. There you go. It sounds good, Jeff. Well, again, I'll be following everything you do, man. You put out some great work, and we definitely appreciate you joining us this afternoon. I appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too, brother. There he goes. Jeff Howe from The Athletic. Again, his piece on Josh McDaniels and the Raiders in search of a franchise quarterback, wherever they can find him, is out on The Athletic right now. We definitely encourage you to check it out. 349 is the time. Let's go ahead and look for call number nine real quick. 702-365-9200. I gave out the choice earlier. I'm going to do it again. We have VGK tickets. We have Vegas Viper tickets. DeMond's going to be on the call with Harry Ruiz at the Vegas Vipers. Just throwing that out there. We have a four-pack of tickets, actually, to the Vegas Vipers, and we have a pair of tickets to go 
see the Vegas Golden Knights. It's your choice. Whatever you want, you let DeMond know. 702-365-9200. Call number nine is what we're doing. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Big ups to my guy Jeff Howe from The Athletic. Joined us in the last segment. Had a couple great interviews this hour. <laughs> really, Justin Mello from the Draft Network, fantastic. Deep dove into a lot of different players when it came to the NFL draft. And then we just heard from Jeff Howe from The Athletic, and he was really good, as always, talking about Josh McDaniels' quarterbacks. And, you know, DeMond, uh, something that you had mentioned and you had asked him about uh, was Anthony Richardson. And I, I can see it, and we've talked about it before. And, of course, we're, this is assuming that everything is going to end up working out all right with Jimmy G. Again, I do believe it will. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out something tomorrow and everything will be all good, as, as Jeff said, that that was what his uh, person with – knowledge of the situation said to him was it was all good that gets worked out squared away I could absolutely see I could absolutely see the Raiders having a guy like Anthony Richardson having some packages that packages for him like we've talked about before and allowing Josh McDaniels to try to develop him and mold him into the type of quarterback that he wants and going back to what he was able to do with Cam Newton and look Cam Newton was an established quarterback once he got to the Patriots, there's no doubt about it. he was a former league MVP but just being able to use that athleticism and do what he does best I can see him trying to do the same, work that same magic with, uh, with Anthony Richardson. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I, I, I can see him trying to do that. I think it would work even better because you would have the opportunity to be able to mold him. Cam Newton, he was 7-8 and eight when he was the starter for the Patriots. So I, think, I do think it would be hey, a full offseason, and he wouldn't have those expectations with Jimmy G being the starting quarterback of, hey, you're just here to learn. This first year, think about it as your redshirt year. You're not going to be thrown into the fire. So maybe with, with Cam, it was more so, hey, since we're in win-now mode, we've got to make it super Cam-specific, super Cam-detailed, instead of, hey, what's going to work for any quarterback that we want to plug and play? Because when you're win now, that's different than, hey, this guy's got that time to develop. Right, exactly. You know, and so it's, it's just interesting, you know, and there's so many different things to think about when it comes to the Raiders and it comes to the quarterback and it comes to developing a team. And, you know, you think if they sit there in seven, they could just go ahead and, and get the best defensive player, worry about a quarterback later. Or if they get a guy like, like Richardson there at number seven or even trade up to go get him, uh, what they could do with him and, and, like I said, the packages and develop him. And maybe he could be that guy for the next 10 to 12 years or whatever the case may be. And, man, you could have a dynamic quarterback. I mean, there's just so many different directions you could go, which makes this time period between now and the draft so interesting. The question that I threw out there, and I'd love to hear from you on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. What would you like to see GM Dave Ziegler do between now and the draft? Like, what moves would you like to see him make, especially since the first wave of free agency is basically come and gone, assuming that this Jimmy G situation gets taken care of? I want to also give a big shout-out to my guy Shannon. Won a pair of tickets to go see VGK. That's the Vegas Golden Knights. So coming up next hour, not only will we talk to Paloma Villacana, not only will we hear from uh, some players that we heard from today at the media session at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, but we'll also have a pair, or actually a four-pack of tickets to go see the Vegas Vipers of the XFL. 3.57 is the time. Paloma Villacana. She'll join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.